six-year-old Frenchman winds back the clock and wins a title for the first time since 2018. And his win means the wait for an Auckland title goes on for Cam Norrie. But that win did not come easy. It's Gasquet winning 4-6, 6-4, 6-4. Yes, that was the story over the weekend. Gasquet, the Frenchman, beating uh, Cameron Norrie, who's been to many parts of the world, including us, um, of course, but uh, winning that uh, in a tight uh, final in the ASB Classic Men's Singles. And, uh, of course, uh, that signals that uh, it is now time to start uh, the first slam of the year. And that, of course, is the Australian Open, which uh, begins today. There's no deportation drama for Novak Djokovic this year. The focus is all on Melbourne, and SENZ will have live point-by-point commentary of the night sessions from 9 o'clock tonight. That's great news. Uh, 9 o'clock tonight, live point-by-point commentary. And leading that will be SEN's own Brent, Brett Phillips from uh, uh, over there uh, in Australia. And uh, alongside him, which is absolutely fantastic news as well, uh, is Mark Woodford, former Australian tennis great, uh, particularly alongside his great mate Todd Woodbridge. So Brett jo- joins us this morning here on SENZ. Thanks so much for your time. Busy busy couple of uh, weeks ahead of you, Brett. Must be looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely, Ian. Yeah, it's uh, sort of Christmas time the next uh, two weeks. No, look, I've done a few Australian Opens now, and look, they're always uh, a great two weeks. You're on pure adrenaline, uh, days into nights, uh, no set finish time. But, you know, I was just listening to that commentary of uh, Richard winning, and he's you know had one of the best single-handed backhands I can remember in tennis. And, you know, he could, he could meet our very own Nick Kyrgios in the second round. So we'll see how he pulls up from Auckland. But I think that was one of the great photos, tennis photos on the weekend. He was drowning himself in champagne. And at 36, he probably didn't think um, maybe another title was uh, going to be coming his way. And he, uh, yeah, he's one of those that, you know, played in the tough era, Federer and Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, where he made some semifinals, world number seven, but tough to get in with those champions. But he's still playing and he would have jetted to Melbourne. And we're ready to go here. It's a little overcast, it's going to be humid, 29. Crowds will be heaving on the first two days. And the story starts here. It does start here, and of course it's a different story uh, this time around with uh, all sorts of uh, things being lifted in terms of COVID restrictions, uh, and uh, of course that also means uh, Novak Djokovic uh, can turn up and play this year without any of the drama of uh, last time around. Uh, How do you think Novak uh, is going to go here? Well, he deserves to start favourite. I mean, it's, it's just been an interesting watch in the last week because he played in Adelaide, he won Adelaide, and he did have a bit of a, a little bit of a hamstring scare, if you want to call it. He came to Melbourne. He's been here all week. He had a practice hit out with Medvedev on Wednesday. He pulled up a little short in that. He's got a bit of taping there. He had a little sort of hit and giggle, if you like, with uh, Nick Kyrgios. Uh, just to uh, add a few cobwebs on uh, Friday night, more entertaining for the fans. So it's rare that Novak sort of comes into a major with an injury. There's, but there's been plenty of times across the journey that he's incurred an injury and somehow played through and, and won the seven matches and lifted a trophy. So it's an interesting watch. Uh, but look, I look at his draw, you know, first round, second round. Dimitrov in the third round would be interesting if Grigor got through. He's still a very decent player. Maybe our very own Alex Dimonor in uh, in round four, and then there's you know that quarterfinal potential matchup with uh, Kyrgios, but Kyrgios is going to get through, you know, a couple of players to get to that point. So he deserves to be favourite. There's no Elkares, the world number one, of course, but I think even if Carlos was here, 
because Novak's won it nine times, he does have a love affair here. He loves playing on these hard courts at Melbourne Park that he's going to be the man to beat if he's fit and healthy. On the subject of uh, Kyrgios, uh, is it now or never for Nick? I mean, you know, his tennis form has actually been okay, but we all know what his personality, personality is like. And, of course, being at home, more pressure than uh, elsewhere around the world. What about the fortnight ahead, possibly for Nick? Yeah, I think the way I'd, the way I'd sum it up is when someone has that much talent. I mean, this is this is freakish, sublime talent. You always think as a you know whether you're a tennis analyst, whether you're a tennis fan, and it would just be a shame if he didn't lift one of the four biggest trophies in tennis for the talent that he's got. But you know, as we know, that only gets you so far. I mean, you've got to dial in mentally to win seven grueling matches, best of five. Differing conditions, you know, you might play on a 29-degree day, a 38-degree day in the middle of the day. So that's always been the question mark with Nick, and it will remain the question mark until he wins one. Now, certainly last year was more encouraging. He seems more dialed in. He's got the game face on. I think he's got uh, some good, solid people around him. It hasn't always been that way. It's been a bit chaotic behind the scenes. So, you know, girlfriend that's uh, right in his corner, his manager who's, um, you know, just keeping everything in check because there's a lot of requests for Nick and to be here, there and everywhere. But if he can just play tennis, he hasn't played a lead-up match, but if there's one guy that can sort of come off a limited prep, it is Kyrgios because he's got the 200-kilometre-plus serve that's going to be hard to break. And so whether he can return well, um, we'd love the Djokovic-Kyrgios quarterfinal, but, yeah, Nick's got to jump a few hurdles. And, yeah, that pressure of playing at home, I suppose, yeah, does exist for a lot of athletes. Well, you've got a, a fairly high-profile Australian in action tonight uh, on your first match that you're calling uh, for us, in particular too over here, was John Millman uh, up against uh, Swiss Mark Andrea Hustler, both unseated. Yep. Um, but how do you think that'll go? Well, we love Johnny. He um, <laughs> He's just blue-collar. What a career. I mean, we don't know quite what's ahead. We know what he's achieved. There's a little bit of unknown of what's left this is the first year in four years that he's dipped outside the top 100. It took him seven years to get inside the top 100. That'd be a good Netflix doco, Smitty, on just the journey of John Millman because he's played at every level. He's been through injury. He sits on the player council. He's got a fair opinion and a fair say. He's not. He's got as, as much talent in his whole body as Nick's got on. Nick Kyrgios has got on his little finger. But he gets every bit out of himself. And those are the most annoying guys to play because they make you play an extra ball, an extra ball. You wish Johnny had that killer shot. I mean, he's not absolutely at his sharpest, I'll say that. But he's on show court three tonight. I think they give jelly babies to everyone in the crowd there because they just whip themselves into a frenzy. And whatever that's worth, if it's worth 5%, they can get Johnny inspired. He's up against a talented young man who's, well, now becoming the face of Swiss tennis, if you like, because Federer's gone... Vavrinka's in the twilight at 37. This guy's ranked 50. Husler, left-hander, difficult to play, but we're hoping Johnny can, you know, wring everything out of himself and maybe win a couple of matches in what possibly could be his last, you know, Australian Open. Brett, you managed in before a hit-up between uh, with Medvedev and uh, Djokovic. You've got Medvedev in uh, your next match on Rod Lever, Lever Arena tonight up against uh, American Marcos Giron. Medvedev's yeah. prospects in the next fortnight. Up against Quadzilla. Uh, you know, I get a look at those quads. Oh, they're big quads. But, you know, this guy, uh, this guy's not a bad player, actually. He's taken some really good scalps in the last 12 months, some decent players and uh, college uh, product out of the US. 
Yeah, Medvedev, um, look, he's a fascinating guy, Daniil. He's got a high IQ. He's a bit quirky, plays very unorthodox. It took him to world number one. Didn't have a great Grand Slam year last year. I mean, had to miss Wimbledon like all the Russian players and you know, obviously made that final in Melbourne, losing to Nadal, but the French wasn't great. The US wasn't great. He only won two titles for a guy of his standard. So he's dropped back in the pack, So and he's become a dad. Bit going on. So I'm keen to see how dialed in he is over the next uh, the next fortnight. So he, I mean, he could look, he could run into a guy like Sebastian Corder in the third round, and Corder's just come off, you know, being runner up to Djokovic in Adelaide, and a huge uh, talent uh, from that great sporting family, the Corders. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm not sure about Medvedev this tournament. Um, I, I feel like there's something else he needs to add to his game, just a couple more tricks, I reckon, because this game keeps evolving and players. Uh, you know, keep finding a way um, to expose those high-level players who sometimes can be maybe a little one-dimensional. But it, you know, it's, it's served him well, but I think he's it's not going to maybe um, serve him well forever. On the women's side of the draw, Brett, um, it's, it's uh, I think, a real opportunity for someone this time around. No Ash Barty, of course, uh, leaving the game a lot earlier than a lot of uh, tennis fans would have wanted, but that has been the case. No Halep out with a drug suspension. Uh, Naomi yep. Osaka announcing she's pregnant, as is uh, Angelique Kerber. So they won't be part of uh, this year's uh, first major or first Grand Slam. Uh, I can't pick a winner in the women's. Is, is there a real opportunity for someone here to make a name? Well, uh, there's, there's sort of a. This is how the conversation would go for me. We've got a. We've, I mean, the world number one is Iga Swiatek. And, I mean, she's a star. She's come off an incredible year. Um, so she's about 5,000 points clear in the rankings. So Eager's there. And then, and then there's then there's the big pack. And it's a big, big pack. And it's really hard to pick. I mean, since Serena won her last one in 2017, we've had 13 different champions in the last five years. And if you look through those names, I would never have been able to sit here on the opening Monday of a slam and pick that uh, Radikanu, Kachikova, Kennan, uh, Ostapenko, we're going to win majors. Uh, Ride back in her at Wimbledon last year. So I think uh, if if Coco Goff, who won in Auckland to start the year, and if she can get through to a quarterfinal with Iga, they're on the same side of the draw, that would be fascinating. Um, because I think Coco's better placed than what she was at the French Open last year um, to, to maybe take the Sviantec scalp. So Iga, I think, deserves favouritism. I think Danny, the big hitters are the ones that I reckon we just put a little asterisk. Danielle Collins, finalist last year. Madison Keys, semi-finalist last year. Good form at the United Cup. Petra Kvitova's looked okay. Strikes a good ball. Uh, Belinda Bencic has just won Adelaide. It's, she's due to go deeper into an Australian Open. And always watch out for the finest product to ever come out of Little Estonia, and that's Kaya Kanepi. Now, she's made the quarterfinals of every major. She's 37 but she hits the ball that hard. If it stays inside the tram lines, which can be a bit hit and miss, she's tough to beat. So I'll just throw those names up, but eager, and then throw a blanket over a, a big stack of players. Uh, CEO, um, Craig Tiley, uh, how's uh, he, he put it all together this year? Are you confident of a great fortnight? Yeah, it feels normal, that, that's for sure. And Novak's here, there's no COVID restrictions. The site looks absolutely brilliant. It's, uh, you know, it's the biggest Grand Slam site out of the four uh, because we're, you know, because of the relationship that uh, Tennis Australia formed with the Victorian government here. So you, you get off in the heart of Melbourne at Flinders Street, Fed Square, that whole journey to Melbourne Park. There's sort of, you know, there's the, the tennis precinct and then there's the 
the entertainment precinct around the tennis precinct. So there's plenty of people, Smith, that never even get in and watch a ball. They love going mm. to the Australian Open, grab a few drinks, watch the big screen, watch a couple of bands play, and they're part of the tennis. So they've set it up uh, absolutely brilliantly in this space. It's you know right on the doorstep of the CBD, as you know. The players love it from an access point of view, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see if, you know, the crowd, which I thought got out of control a little bit last year, I think, you know, particularly the Kyrgios Kokonakis sort of supporters. Uh, hopefully the, the etiquette will be sort of kept in check a little bit this year. That's the only thing I think uh, needs to just improve a bit. But, yeah, that's, yeah, we, we, we're pulling straws. And you're alongside, not that you're not an icon yourself, but you're alongside an icon in terms of uh, Mark Woodford. Uh, his thoughts will be really interesting. Yeah, he's been part of our coverage um, for the last few years. Wealth of knowledge, Um no, looking forward to Mark. We're going to have many voices coming in across the next fortnight, former players and you know, great tennis journalists who live and breathe the tour. So we'll get a real mix of voices into our coverage. Uh, I love doing the tennis on the radio. Um, there's, it's, you know, I mean, that's the great part about SCN is, you know, Smithy, we've got live sport going on, whatever, you know, even if, if tennis is not your absolute fancy, hopefully we'll bring you the theatre and the excitement across uh, the next fortnight. I was just watching too uh, before I left Australia and then came home. A lot of coverage. Is it now the United Cup? Was that used to be the Hopman Trophy? Yeah, so the Hopman Cup became the ATP Cup and then became the United Cup. So there's been a bit of change in that regard. But yeah, it's sort of like the old Hopman Cup, men and women together. But this time around, there were actually rankings points and, and a huge differential in prize money. So yeah, a bit of tinkering. Um, I think it's here to stay. And it is great to see the men and the women actually come together, which they love. So the players embraced it. It didn't necessarily get full stadiums um, outside of the Australian matches. So they've got to work on how they sell that. Um, but, yeah, it'll uh, it'll be here to stay for a little while. Hopefully that'll sort of uh, bed itself down. But I don't know if you heard the news on the weekend about the Davis Cup, which uh, is an absolute basket case now. And if the people can take the Davis Cup back because the ITF have cut their – 25-year agreement with this Cosmos group who tried to turn it into a World Cup of tennis. It's been an absolute disaster and hopefully we can get back to having home and away ties all around the world because that that's what made the Davis Cup. And on differing surfaces too? Correct. Yep. Correct. Differing surfaces, uh, you know, that ability and, and best of five, it was up there, you know, as the pinnacle alongside the Grand Slams and the players loved it. They love any opportunity to represent their country. But you want you want ten or fifteen thousand in your corner, not going to Malaga in Spain where you've got a little cheer squad of Aussie supporters. I mean, they just mm. absolutely ruined the Davis Cup, uh, the ITF, the oldest standing team competition in the world. Sometimes you know the old saying, "If it ain't broke, don't don't fix it," and, this, and, and that was exactly the case. Yeah, that saying's changed, hasn't it? If it ain't broke, we we have to fix it. I, I don't get it. I I see that in cricket often as well. Hey, Britt, yep. uh, have a, a great fortnight. Hopefully we'll get the opportunity uh, to talk to you uh, again before uh, it, uh, it all completely unfolds. If you had to go, just if you had to go uh, a winner on each side in the singles, <laughs> could you perhaps nominate us one? Because we do have, uh, like, the odd punt on this show. Uh, oh, look, you know, I'd be going out in a limb... You know, I feel like, how can you go past Novak? Uh, the way he finished last year, and he's eyeing the most Grand Slam titles, and he knows the clock is ticking, 36 this year. He's got to get in before these young bucks really uh, get red mm. hot. 
So I, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Djokovic, and and, and Igor Fiontek's level was that good last year. It was mind blowing. So I know I'm going the two absolute hot favourites, but um, yeah, nothing else is convincing me that that's not going to be the case at this stage. Good on you. Um, small fish are sweet, so I'd be happy to be on those if they won them. Brett uh, Phillips, have a, a great fortnight, of course. We shall be listening to, to them, of course. You will know that on this side of the Tasman as well. And Enjoy the experience once again. I know you've done plenty, but uh, it makes an old man young, doesn't it, the, the big events? <laughs> uh, indeed. Great to chat, Ian. Talk soon.